This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine, and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help, and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Yeah, I'm John and I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contribution. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politic, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink, and this makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So I wonder if our guests would like to introduce themselves and give give us a quick sketch of who they are, maybe starting with your age and how long you've been sober. Oh yeah, so I'm uh, John and I'm an alcoholic. I'm uh, 54 now and got sober at 27. 
Cool. So 20, nearly 27 years sober next month. Cool. Yeah. And you have family, married with children? Uh, yeah, separated and three uh, kids, 19, 17 and 14, yeah. And I wonder if you could to just sort of briefly describe your background, where you grew up and, and how your childhood was. I grew up here in Christchurch mm-hmm. on uh, the main streets of Burnside and... Um, um, just uh, both my parents are West Coasters, so it was a good West Coast upbringing, you know, um, parties, and um, didn't seem excessive drinking and that, just uh, good times. And, um, you know, I was a bartender from an early age and, and learned how to um, make people drinks and probably snuck an odd drink of that, but, you know, it wasn't any, it wasn't, yeah, it was just a normal upbringing and went to good schools and, you know, yeah. Cool, thanks. And so when did you start drinking? I sort of have uh, two first drinks. I think I think one was um, when I was 14 at Christmas time and the next was 15. So um, the first one, uh, my cousin was over from the West Coast and um, he was a couple of years older and, and my dad and his dad were down the pub and... Um, and there's a crate of beer, Lion Brown it was, in the games room. And um, my cousin brought two bottles upstairs and we drank one each. And then he went down and got two more. And he said that was enough that they'd notice it missing. And I said to him, no, 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 we can do. So I had a third one and then I ended up being sick outside the um, upstairs. And So that was my first drink. And the second one was I got a job at uh, the post office at Christmas time. And um, they had uh, Christmas drinks at one stage, and um, it was upstairs. And of course, I was young, and um, you know, and with other people. And um, once again, you know, I'd go up and get the jugs and put them on the table, and I was drinking, and and it was all air conditioned. And then um, when I walked out of there at two o'clock in the afternoon, it hit me, and I think they were carrying on to go drinking. And of course, I'm only fifteen, so. I, so I went to catch the bus home, and um, spewed all over the bus stop in the middle of the square. Um, got on a bus, uh, spewed all through the bus and got kicked off and got home. And uh, that's my first two drinks. And how did it make you feel? Oh, at, 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 at the time, it's just what I did. And um, well, what I know now is, is that I've always had the compulsion, like what you read out, is, um, you know, I was two years sober when I realised that... Um, that it's the first drink, you know, yeah. like I'd heard it and I knew about it. And, um, and you know, that's like with my cousin, you know, we went to have one bottle and then we had a second and he said we'd had enough. And I said, no, you know, yeah. and that's how, I, that's how I always drunk. I, you know, at the end of my drinking, I just went to drink on a Friday, you know, I worked hard all day and worked hard all week and I was allowed to drink and I'd get a bottle of bourbon and I only ever went to have one or two drinks. And uh, bottle be empty. I'd walk into town, sorted places, sorted people, and um, sometimes I'd get home on the Saturday, sometimes on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. After having one drink at five o'clock on Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what what made you realise that that you needed help? Like what what was your rock bottom? Where did where did your drinking take you? So so my my last drink was at a Rolling Stones concert in nineteen ninety five, Easter nineteen ninety five. And um uh so so what I know is I went to I was lucky enough after I got sober to go to treatment in Hemna and um I was talking to a doctor there about what had happened to me in um Auckland 
and it was actually a drug-induced psychosis, and the only drugs that we had was uh, cannabis, a uh, plant that I'd grown to take there. And um, and so that's that was my rock bottom. I, I went to Auckland with uh, five mates and, um, you know, hit it hard for Easter and went to Rolling Stones on the Sunday night. Uh, Keith Richards turned to the devil, started talking to me, and um, clear as a bell, and, um, yeah, and uh, that was it was like that for a couple of weeks, really. Right. Yeah, there was no... Um, uh, when you have a psychosis, it's the reality. Your reality is true. Yeah. Like I couldn't differentiate. So uh, every way, like we come home on a plane on Easter Monday, it was full of devil worshippers who were going to kill me. Yeah. And there was nothing I could change my mind about that it wasn't. You know. And um, and yeah, and uh, my boys actually, my um, yeah. Um, so we're just going through that with my nineteen-year-old at the moment. Right. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. Yep. That sounds really scary. Oh, yeah, it's terrifying being in it. Yeah. So how was rehab when you got there? Can you tell me? Oh, it was, it was an amazing journey. So I come home from um, Auckland on the, on the Monday, and um, and on the building, I couldn't get a um, hammer and nail to give it a put jib on the wall Thursday. Hadn't yeah. had anything to drink or drug by then. And... Um, on the Friday, I was, I was talking to a bricklayer, you know, and uh, he was also friends of the family. And um, I says, oh, Jesus, mate, you know, oh, I've had a big week. And yeah. he was like, yeah, we've we've noticed, you know. <laughs> and um, I, I says, oh, it was a big weekend, you know, and um, knocked the shit out of me. I, I might have to do something about drinking. He said, oh, I've got a mate go comes out to the Wood End pub, plays pool, doesn't drink, and hasn't drunk for five years. I said, oh, yeah, what's the go after that? He goes, oh, he goes to AA. And I said, oh, what's... What's AA? He said, Alcoholics Anonymous, I think. And I says, oh, no, I'm not an alcoholic, mate. Just had a big weekend, you know. <laughs> Went back to work, and uh, in amongst my psychosis, I'd made a pact with God if he got me home from Auckland alive, because if Keith Richards was the devil, then there was, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was all pretty out there. And um, and so on the Friday... Um, so I went back to work and I, I sort of made a pact that if he got got me home to Christchurch alive, that I would sort out something, sort out my life. And... Um, so I end up ringing AA, and this girl said there's a meeting at lunchtime, and there'll be a guy there to meet you on the steps. So I rang my mum. She thought she was taking me to the bank to cash a cheque, and we ended up at the Salvation Army, and uh, he took me into my first AA meeting. So what was it like, your first meeting? Uh, it was pretty amusing. There were two people shared, and then I shared for 40 minutes. Wow. In a drug-induced psychosis. All right. Yeah, so it was pretty amusing. And um, I just looked at the ground, and it was the first time in my life that I'd been able to share yeah. To say what had been happened, I'd been uh, a week with my partner and with my dad and with my family and hadn't been able to tell them what had happened. Here I was in a room full of strangers and um, I knew that they understood me. No one said anything. I just started and said, you know, I was just back from Auckland and this had happened. And people started laughing and but for the first time in my life I, I was amongst my own. And um, There's yeah. a real freedom to that, isn't there? Oh, it was unreal, yeah. yeah. It was. And then from there I was lucky enough to just go straight to the detox centre. Right. Which I knew nothing about. He just said, I think you need to go to detox. And I actually said to him, I think I need to go home and have a couple of cones. Yeah. And he said, what lengths are you willing to go to? I said, oh, any lengths. And he goes, well, I think, you know. And I said, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do now these days to maintain your sobriety, to make sure that you don't go back to that? Well, you know, 20, 26, 27 years down the track, I go to meetings. Yeah. I go to meetings. I stay in contact with alcoholics. I stay away from, um, 
you know, I've got a meditation book at home that I brought in Hamner when, when I was there, you know, like 1995 and in the front the instructions that I've written in the front in 1995 are still the same today. It says, don't pick up the first drink. Yeah. Go to a meeting and get a sponsor. And I'm on the after hours phone and people go, oh, geez, you're, you're so long sober and whatever. What's the, what's the secret? You know, I've, I've taken my nephews to AA meetings and, you know, I just wish I could give them the secret. And, and, and I say to them, this is all I can tell you, mate. Don't pick up the first drink. Go to a meeting because you... You know, that's where you'll be with other people and you'll hear their struggles the same as yours and get a sponsor. And, and, and why you get a sponsor is because it's the guy that will take you through the steps. Yeah. And and it's not your friend. You know, my first sponsor, he said to me, I'm not your friend. We may become friends, but I'm not. I'm your sponsor. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, so that's what I do. So how do you feel about yourself today, the inside of you, compared to how you used to feel about yourself when you were drinking? Oh, you know, to get get sober at twenty seven, I, I just say I was uh, I was a boy in men men's underpants, you know. Like I, I stopped learning when I was uh, when I picked up pot, you know, thirteen, fourteen, and um, you know, and the drink, you know, just addiction took off. I didn't know that at the time, but um, you know, by the time fourteen, fifteen come along, I, I, I stopped learning. I stopped. I I, I just stopped, and so. You know, by 17, I'd burned out all my friends and family. I was living in a school and, um, you know, and then just went down the road. I didn't work till I was 23. Did eight years of periodic detention. Um, no licence from the age of 16, you know, indefinite and um, with other other charges all the time. Yeah, so um, I just went through life like a bulldozer, you know, yeah. and, um, um, had, you know, burned out people, burned out relationships. And uh, you know, uh, had three three good relationships, and wondered what happened after two years. What happened to women? You know, what, yeah. What happened to them after two years? Because you know, I was a nice guy, and they'd you know hard case, and they'd get with me, and and I guess in in, in the hope that I would change, or that they you know that they might be able to change me, or that I'd mellow, or yeah. But I just never did. You know, I'd have the first drink, and you know, I remember. I remember um, my last partner before I got sober, on a Friday, you know, she'd take me to the Fitzgerald Arms after work because I didn't have a license. And, um, you know, I'd get a bottle of bourbon and um, I'd go home to have a couple of drinks. I'd stay at home, had a backyard full of pot, had a lovely woman, do whatever I liked. And um, I walked out one day and she looked really white. She'd sit in the car. And I said, what's wrong? She said, you're going to do it again. And I'm like, do what? She said, well, you know, you're going to go to town, you're going to take the power money, mortgage money. I go, no, I'm not. I hate going to town. You know, I, Jesus, I just, I've just worked hard all week. I'm going to have a couple of drinks and, you know, and uh, I was two years sober and I was at a meeting and um, I just broke down because I realised that she knew what was going to happen when I had a drink. Yeah. And I never did. You know, so that's how I live my life. I just, I'd have a drink and away I'd go, Who, you know. Where you end up, anyone knows. Yeah. And what about your relationships now? Well, they're pretty good. You know, like it's just constant and it's a, it's a slow progress because, uh, you know, I was quite young when I come in, 27. So um, I sort of thought I'd knock this thing out with 12 meetings in 12 months and, you know, and get back to it. And, um, you know, and just uh, just continuously going to AA and continuously checking in with sponsors and, and, and trying to do the right thing. 
and um, just realise it's it's a gradual, it's a real gradual thing. And my sponsor said to me one day, you know how you get ten years sober, and I'm like, no, how? He goes, you just stay sober for ten years. You know, I thought he was going to give me some diamonds. <laughs> it's like when he told me about how you pay your bills. He says, do you know how you pay your bills? And I'm like, no, how? He goes, you pay them. Oh, you know, this is the stuff I come in and he taught me. Yeah. You know, I thought there was, yeah. So it's just a slow progress. And um, today, you know, I'm pretty confident in who I am. It's been a long journey and there's lots of stuff happened that's added to it and taken away from it. And um, But the whole time through it all, I've known that a drink and a drug is not going to fix it, you know. Yeah. And um, and when the shit's, you know, people died, suicides, uh, marriage breakup, all that stuff. The support that I've got from um, AA and then my friends in AA is just, you know, it's just been amazing. So, and I just hope that I'm there to, to give it back that I'm on the same. And, yeah. And what about your goals for the future? Oh well, yeah, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I've been really blessed, and I have other people, like family members, and all that that don't know about AA. They think I'm self-made, and um. You know, friends that aren't in AA, they, they, they think I've all done well and I'm under no illusion that I am who I am because of being sober. And I'm under no illusion that I'll act and um, behave the same way I behaved before I got sober, if I drink and drug. Yeah. So I've been really lucky. I built some houses, you know, got a, got a couple of houses. I'm sort of 53 and I sort of keep trying to retire and you know that that's where I'm at really you know like I've got a lovely family I've got three beautiful kids and um I've been blessed with that you know my wife was a, a recovering alcoholic we were married for 18 years and um you know grew a business together and and brought up a beautiful family and um yeah and um so yeah I'm just really fortunate in the future is Anyone, you know, like I, I just, you know, my two boys are sort of a bit older now and left, and I've got my fourteen-year-old girl, so, you know, just hang out with her and, and um, but once once she's old enough, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just going to hit the road and, you know, I'm going to go to Aussie shortly for ten weeks and, I, I went there when we split up, you know, I was I was pretty messy and I end up ten weeks over there, went to a place called Coolum up the Sunshine Coast, never been there, went to AA, just hooked in there. Yeah, met met an absolute idiot that teaches men's yoga, yoga, you know, and just hung out with him for a couple of months, and and you know, in May I'm going back there. I'm going to go to Blues Fest with my brother. He drinks and smokes pot. Going to go camping with him on Fraser Island, and um, I'll be okay with it, you know. And he, he loves me, and and um, and uh, and then I'll head up to Coolum and I'll hook in with my mate Dave, and you know what I mean. Mm. And that's that's my life, and. I just make AA a priority wherever I go. Yeah. And um, because I'm not scared, I just know that I, I that I am and I, who I am because I'm sober. Yeah. And because of AA. You know, not only do I not drink, but there's a whole other stuff that changes with it, you know. Like I was arguing with a mate last night about some business stuff. And instead of firing up and arguing and fighting, and I just backed off and got quiet and listened. Listened. You know? Yeah, learned that in here. You yeah. know how to listen, and not to say that I'm that good at listening all the time. <laughs> yeah. They describe AA as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean to you? 
So, you know, brought up uh, Catholic, um, Christ the King, St. Bede's. Um, didn't affect me either way, you know, like, uh, I lost a sister when we were 10 years old. My older sister died. It was pretty horrendous. I know now, you know, through program of AA and other stuff that's opened up to me, I've been able to look back at all that stuff and see the effect it had on my life and on my whole family's life. And um, it turned to shit, you know, the day she died for everyone. For a long time, it was just me that it had turned to shit for, but I'd been sober and I got to uh, have a look at that and I got to bring it out of the shadows of my family and talk about it with my mum and with my brother and, you know what I mean? Like our family didn't talk about it, it was sort of shut down. And, and um, so, you know, God didn't do us any favours, really. I didn't dislike him, I didn't like him, I didn't, you know, I didn't, yeah. So I knew about God when I got sober. Um, went to the local priest, you know, I went with mum, Went to the local priest to talk to him when I got sober. Says, go back to your religion. Um, pissed him off because he was in his garden. You know, he had to take some time off and we went inside and told him what I was doing. I was trying to get sober and, you know, I was looking for God. And he started talking about, you know, sex out of marriage and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, this isn't really for me. And so what I've learned is, like everything in AA, the more I know, the less I know. Right. You know, and so now it's just uh, I pray to God because I have to call it something. Yeah. You know, I, uh, there's something out there. I, I live at the beach. I spend a lot of time at the beach. I, I talk to God like, you know, if there's not, it doesn't matter. And and so I don't I'm, I, I don't have a God of fear. It's a God of love. And I learned that in here, you know, different people saying you got to find a God of love. And I don't mean I mean years. I mean, 10, 12 years before I decided, before it come to me that he just loves me. When, when I muck up, he still loves me. You know, when I argue with my partner, he still loves me. And um, with the God I was brought up with, you know, it was sort of judgmental and I guess yeah. I had that in me. So so it's pretty loose and I'm just open to ideas and concepts and, um, and um, yeah, it's a God of my understanding, I guess, and that's where I've come to. It's no one else's. and Yeah. Yeah. So, so lastly, what would you suggest for listeners who have a drinking problem? What advice would you give them? Yeah, so like I said before, I'm on the after hours, you know, and people ring up. I had a guy ring the other night, you know, he rang up. He's not an alcoholic. It's the usual story, just drink too much. Um, used to be okay, start drinking, can't stop, wake up in the morning, money's gone, not sure where I've been, what I've done. That was Thursday night, you know. Just, yeah. And... Um, I just say to him, mate, we've got 70 meetings in Christchurch. You go to a meeting, oh, yeah, but what if someone knows me? It's anonymous. That's what's anonymous. Um, you, you go to a meeting. You just you go to six meetings. Don't go to one meeting. Go to six, You know, that's what I was brought up with. If you go to a meeting you don't like it, go there six times, yeah. you know? So um, just basically what I said before, Martin, you know, don't pick up the first drink, go to a meeting and get a sponsor. Yeah, and if if there was a question that you could suggest somebody ask themselves to help them decide if they need help, what would that question be? Well, I always say, by the time by the time you ring AA, or you know, you're either pregnant or you're not, you know. And by the time you ring AA, you're usually in a bit of trouble. Yeah. And like what was told at my first meeting, because I was an alcoholic, just had a big weekend. Remember? Yeah. And he says you don't have to be son. You just have to have a desire. Do you want to stop drinking? And I said, yeah. And that's our third tradition. Doesn't say nowhere does it say you need to be an alcoholic. It says the only only thing you need to be 
I only have is a desire to stop drinking. Yeah. So if drinking's a problem, you know, and it's causing, just come have a look. Won't do you any harm. You know, there's no, there's no counselling. There's no hierarchy. There's no, yeah. No one's ticking boxes. You just come in and sit and listen and relate to what you can and take what you, you know, is it what we say. Take what you want and leave the rest there. Yep. Cool. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Well, thanks for having me, yeah. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or you'd like some information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show is every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past show on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help and you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, God, grant grant me me the the serenity serenity to to accept accept the things things I cannot change, change. the courage Courage to to change change the things things I can, and the wisdom wisdom to know know the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. 